Hello, this is T.J. Moore of CT Radio, and we are now live on the air with Janet Carol Lesson and Debbie Solaris. Welcome, ladies. This is Spirit Science Metaphysics today. <laughs> Can you hear me? Hi. Yeah, I didn't know yes. if you could hear me. I, it was really a weird blank uh, silence before the show. Normally, uh, I can hear other things, but go ahead. <laughs> we're glad we're here. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, yeah. I can. This is Debbie Solaris, and I'm on as well. Wonderful, Janet. Why don't you go ahead and introduce Debbie to our listening audience, and uh, we'll get started here. Okay. Um, I'm Janet Carolison and Teresa J. Morris, and we're co-hosts, and today we have our special guest, Debbie Solaris. And Debbie came upon a metaphysical scene almost by accident, as she would describe it, and calls herself a real late bloomer on the spiritual path. Debbie had a very conventional and conservative Roman Catholic upbringing in a military family where aliens and UFOs were just never discussed, and what mattered was the material world in which we inhabit. Although she had an ordinary childhood, she always felt like she was different from the people around her, as uh, she was a lot more sensitive and introspective than her family members. She spent her formative years traveling with her family throughout Europe and Australia, soaking up all the history, art, and culture of each place they visited. She was fortunate to have loving and progressive parents who wanted her to experience the world and everything it had to offer. Uh, She spent several years active duty in the military, and she got her bachelor's degree in science, and she worked in the environmental field as a civilian. Uh, Debbie met her life partner, Terry, who was and still is a UFO enthusiast and introduced her to the world of extraterrestrials and paranormal. And she says, even that, I was pretty skeptical, she recalls. Although Terry has been a lifelong curiosity, has had a lifelong curiosity and fascination with aliens and UFOs, they just didn't seem all that real to me, especially as a scientist and environmentalist. Uh, so eventually her curiosity got the better of her, and she started attending local spiritual classes and metaphysical workshops. Anyway, I've got a long bio, but let's see. Um, in 2012, I'll speed read down to lower. 2012 had a couple of very intense out-of-body experiences where she found herself in the interior of a huge Arcturian mothership and saw herself interacting and communicating with Arcturian and Pleiadian extraterrestrials. And these are the very ones she previously didn't believe existed. Why did she chose to bring me on board? I have no idea. So, Debbie, I'm about as ordinary, unremarkable, and conventional as they come. So we're going to talk to Debbie about her experiences. And um, I'll pass it back to you, TJ. Are you ready to have Debbie on, or do you have more to say? Yeah, uh, the metaphysical scene, so to speak. And uh, tonight, uh, Thursday, we've got you on Aquarian Radio in Hawaii, and I'm in Gulf Breeze with T.J. Morris ET Radio, and my company is American Communications Online. And we'll have you uh, showing up a lot of places, and iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, YouTube, and FM Radio. So uh, what would you like to share with the listening world? Because we're going to be sharing... A very big uh, audience with spirit, science, metaphysics, ET, 
in the three women, the power of three here, which isn't very conventional. But apparently you started off like most of us, apparently in America. But did you give us an idea of where you were born? And I was Navy, and I'd love to hear what branch of military you were in and then how you became an entrepreneur and especially a metaphysician and how you use your psychic abilities. It's a long, drawn-out process. But Janet covered a lot of your story here, so we sort of get an idea. Yeah, she sure did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. okay and yeah, a mad painter that's, a yeah, mad painter is here uh, too intro. no no I, i'm just oh. kidding uh thank you both uh for having or is it three of you or just two of you i'm sorry I, uh well our our producers in the chat room i guess i should probably open that up but uh, Janet, I've invited a mad painter over here too because he's into all this oh, cool. otherworldly stuff. So he's here. So uh, mad painter, you're welcome to come on. Uh, he very rarely has time to uh, get into our chat, but uh, I'm just letting you know. A mad is a wonderful artist and author and poet, and uh, you know, of course, he's welcome to come on too. But uh, we have a lot of people from all over. Now, Mad's over in Georgia, and he does uh, Revolution Radio with Janet, and I used mm-hmm. to have time to do those shows. So, then uh, Janet will post this over on her shows as well. But where do you want to start? I like to know, you know, like I grew up in Monroe, Louisiana. I'm 67 years old now, and I've watched the world change and work and worked in the military before we had the Internet and helped us change over from the big right. you know, computers to – uh, we were with Wang, and then we went to Microsoft and all of that in Hawaii. And I met Janet at a psychic fair, and uh, I was part of a group there called Spiritual World Network, and I was doing a couple of radio shows for other people then. But tell me, I mean, I just happened to be here now with Janet, and Janet and I discovered a whole bunch of synchronicities and things we're doing, and I just did a psychic fair over here in Gulf Breeze. But I'd like to sort of know how you wound up here with me and Janet because I don't think there's any no. coincidences. So no, how you either. can blend your... Yeah, Blencher, who you thought you were, is, and then how you got in the military, and then how you wound up way down here, I guess, late in life, playing with us metaphysicians. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you don't yeah, mind. no, it's definitely a, it big, away, a big career change, to say the least. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, um, I was a military brat, so um, I, I was actually born in North Carolina, so not too far from Georgia, but... Um, uh, but we didn't stay there. We were constantly moving. I think every few years we would go to another duty station. So I, um, I spent, I would say, most of my um, growing up years, you know, my childhood, um, living in various countries, uh, mostly Europe and Australia, as, you know, Janet mentioned in the intro. And, you know, I did... Uh, I guess because we moved around so much, you know, I just didn't really, wasn't able really to set down roots anywhere. It wasn't, you know, we were just constantly moving. And then, you know, I, I joined the military myself and you asked about what branch I was in. I was Navy as well. <laughs> okay. So here's another synchronicity. I spent, um, I would say the majority of my Navy career uh, stationed in near Honolulu at, uh, at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. So um, that was back in the early 90s. And 
So I have a special really? place in my heart for Hawaii. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yep. what part? I was there, 89, uh, minimum 89 to uh, 94, at least five years, but I, I'm thinking 87 to 94. But I can't exactly remember when we transferred from uh, Great Lakes out to Hawaii. Do you remember what years you were there? Which is a coincidence. Um, I was there from, I think, 90, um, 90 to 94. I, I, yeah, because wow. I, I think oh, at that point, you were there the same time that okay. I was there. I came in '93 and I left in '97. Oh wow! Okay. So we were. So uh, yeah, I was. You know where you check in? You, oh, go ahead. Where were, yeah, you. I worked in the personnel and information security office. Gotcha. Yeah, I was at, uh, I was at uh, EPMU six. That was uh, the Environmental Preventive Medicine Unit. So yeah, that was um, so. So that was uh, kind of a, a niche unit. Um, more uh, so, I was a preventive medicine tech, uh, i.e. Uh, hospital corpsman. So yeah, me I too. I was a hospital corpsman. But yeah, yeah. I worked personnel security, but as a GS, which a lot of people don't understand. You know, I was civilian. You know, I wore regular clothes and personal information security as a GS. Then on the mm-hmm. uh, weekends, I wore my uniform in and out as a corpsman. But you would understand that. Did you work next to Hickam there at the at the base, naval base? Yes, I did. Or, yep, I was. <laughs> yeah, so. We might have run so, into each other. I don't know. That's strange because anybody that comes on base has to go through and get their security clearance and all that. And uh, I was over at PwC Pearl Harbor. Uh, interesting, isn't it? Uh, so, Small world. what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, SyncPak Fleet, ComNav Base, and then being a hospital corpsman. And I never think, but I would work actually when you come in the gate over at the, I guess you'd say the clinic. I don't know what we mm-hmm. even called it now. It's been so long. You remember right when you came in? Is that where you worked? Over in the hospital I, clinic I area? In, I wasn't at the clinic. I was at the. Uh, uh, the preventive medicine unit um, building. So it was it was a totally separate building. It was uh, not we weren't even associated with the clinic at all. Oh wow! Okay. Well, that, yeah. we just did yeah, that was, with doctors. Uh, we, and... we mostly we mostly did environmental work. So it was a, it was like a, a a specialized branch of hospital core uh, work. So I didn't even, uh, I, didn't even I wasn't even aware of that. And and I worked yeah. uh, CBs and sync pack, but I worked. Uh, uh, we had uh, an anthropologist that worked with an archaeologist. Archaeologist mm-hmm. worked with our group when I worked with the CBs. So it's really complicated because people can be in the area and never know each other exists, and a lot of people don't understand that, right? Unless you came across oh, yeah. my desk at the identification for mostly civilian contractors during the week, if you know what I mean, right? And, it's uh, clearances, briefings, debriefings, things like that. Well, very curious. All right, so what did, did do you think that had to do with anything uh, you didn't want to do environmental, or you just got yeah HM two is where was, I got. I think uh, my higher guidance because uh, I originally I wanted to when I got out of uh, you know preventive medicine training I wanted to go to Europe you know so I you know put in you know, when they ask you, you know, which uh, duty station would you prefer? And I put down Europe, 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 because I loved Europe. 
And so when I got stationed to Hawaii, I was absolutely shocked because that was nowhere, you know, in the selections I made. But I think it was my higher guidance stepping in because I'm actually a Lemurian, you know, I have, I've had Lemurian uh, past lives, you know, I have a, you know, uh, I consider myself a Lemurian soul. So when I actually arrived in Hawaii, I felt like I had come home. I mean, I just felt like there was, and, I, and that was long before I was awakened. I wasn't even aware of what Lemuria was. You know, I just knew that there was something special and there was a, maybe a higher purpose why I was sent to Hawaii instead of Europe. So, um, yeah, we so called it Mu, M-U. Yeah. You know, it was James Churchwood, and he's saying it had a lot to do with the Lemurs. And so you have to yeah. you know, look at the history of why they even started calling it Lemuria, but you know, the kids yeah. today, they use Lemuria versus Mu, M-U. But, yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah, but I'm like you. When I was living in Hawaii, we said Lemuria, too, because people would generally know what you're talking about if they've read the history of, of Mu or where we mm-hmm. got all that intel before, uh, well, before the books were written or the later guys. Right. So that's good. So, yeah, so- Janet? I think it was just. I don't know if Janet feels that steps. way. Wait, I, I let's yeah, just Debbie tell her story for about ten minutes, and then we'll ask her questions. Okay, GJ, let's let her do her little. Um, tell you asked her to tell her story, so let her tell her story, and then we'll ask. Yeah. Questions, okay. Lemuria. Okay. Go She's ahead, at Debbie. Lemuria. Go ahead, Debbie. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Um, well, uh, I guess as far as myself, um, uh, Janet, you did a wonderful job of. Uh, paraphrasing my intro in, in a few minutes. So uh, so I, I'm just going to kind of try to fill in the gaps. But um, I actually, uh, like, like I said, I, I grew up in a very conventional family. Uh, you know, we were heavily Roman Catholic. We didn't talk wow. about metaphysics at all, at all. I mean, it was you know, and then back in those days, you know, back in, um, well, I think in the 80s, they were starting to get more, you know, metaphysics was starting to become more online. But um, but back in the, you know, 60s and 70s when I was growing up, I mean, you just didn't see any um, any metaphysical information out there. And if there were, they were always in the occult section of the bookstore, you know. I mean, it was just like... Uh, and it was, you know, usually astrology or uh, or uh, or tarot, you know. So, and it was considered very, very woo-woo back, you know, in those days. So, as I was growing up, you know, even though I did travel extensively to other countries, um, we just didn't talk about UFOs or or metaphysics or par- the paranormal. It just wasn't a topic that was on my radar at all. Um, so uh, when I, you know, decided to, uh, I guess, uh, you know, I just decided, you know, after the military, after my military career, I had, you know, while I was in the military, I did, did a, get, a, get a degree in environmental science, okay? So I decided to work as a civilian in the environmental field. I've done that for probably over 30 years now and I am retiring this month from the current agency I work for. So woohoo, that's uh that's big that's a big step. But congratulations. Um, but yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a <laughs> long time coming. <laughs> but 
but my guides were kicking me in the pants. They were telling me, you can't do the 3D work anymore. You know, get out, get out. So, um, so anyway, getting back to my story, I just didn't really, um, I wasn't really that interested in the paranormal or in UFOs. I didn't really believe in them. But then I started dating this man, the man that's now my current partner, Terry. Um, we've been together now 17 years, but I started dating him, I think, back in the, um, the early 2000s. And I noticed that he was really interested in the paranormal and UFOs, and he would read all these articles about UFOs, and I was just like, what? In the... And, he, you know, if you were to meet him, he's such like a straight guy that you, you would never guess that that was the kind of thing that he'd be into, but... But he was, like, very, very passionate and very, you know, I guess, uh, very enthusiastic about uh, – so when I say he was a UFO enthusiast, I do mean that. He was very enthusiastic about reading anything he can get his hands on, on, you know, UFO disclosure or ufology or anything that, you know, deals with extraterrestrials and aliens and I just thought, okay, you know, my partner's a little wacko. Maybe we better have <laughs> him on. <laughs> Make sure he's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's our my, kind of wacko. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Go ahead. he's, uh, yeah, I mean, he was, uh, yeah, he was really into that, and I, I just wasn't. I was just like, okay, um, that's that's real interesting, but, but then after a while, I think he had a way of uh, his interest rubbed off on me because. I started reading some of the articles and it maybe opened up my mind to, uh, you know, some other ways of thinking. And then I started taking some spiritual classes locally here in Colorado, you know, just to expand, you know, my knowledge base and, you know, my understanding of, you know, the type of things I was reading about. And, but even then I didn't really think that I had a special gift or that I really had, anything really significant to offer, you know, in metaphysics, I was just kind of curious, you know, so everything changed uh, when uh, Terry and I decided we were going to take our relationship further and we were going to, you know, get move in together and start our lives together um, as a, as a truly a couple, because we had this long distance relationship for a while and, uh, so we decided to move forward and, um, and you know, buy a house in Castle Rock, which is between Colorado Springs and Denver. He lived in Denver. I lived in Colorado Springs. So then, uh, to, so to make a long story short, uh, it was kind of a stressful time. It was a lot of transitions. Um, uh, we... Uh, we were having a hard time finding a place to live. Um, and there was just a lot of things going on in our country. Uh, and also in the world, because in 2012, that's when everybody was talking about the end of the Mayan calendar. And, you know, there was all that talk. And then there was the elections that were going on, you know, in, in the United States during that time. And there was, you know, I guess some other, other cons, you know, they, there was my, I had concerns about the environment, had concerns about the economics because it didn't look like things were really going well for the United States. And, uh, and so I had a lot of worries. And so one night I sent out a prayer to the universe. It was just a, a general 
prayer, but um, but it was a, a very empathic one. But I I just asked for assistance with our planet because it didn't look like things were going very well. You know, with the with the way the the current the current circumstances of of um, our our economic and and the environmental situation, especially so. So I sent a prayer out to every higher dimensional beings that I could possibly think of. So I, so I asked Jesus, ascended masters, archangels, the whole angelic realm, uh, and then I even included our space brothers and sisters. Even though I didn't, I wasn't even sure they existed. But I thought, what the heck, you know? I might as well, if they're if they're existing, I might as well ask for their help too. And uh, and I spent all night. I was really worried, and uh, and I was just asking for you know for peace and divine assistance for our planet to make things better, you know, for all the people on our planet. And I didn't hear back for about two weeks. I mean, I didn't. Nothing happened after I did my very earnest prayer, you know, out to the universe. So I just figured it was, you know, same old, you know, same old, you know, just uh, business as usual. So, uh, so I just, you know, kind of went on with my life. Uh, and I think I said the prayer it was in May. It was like in 2002, May of 2002. But so, it was sometime in June um, when I went to sleep and when I came to consciousness, I was in a completely different place. And I knew it wasn't a dream. I I'd never had any kind of dream that was as real as the experience I was having. Uh, it wasn't even a lucid dream. It was just very, very real. Um, it was like I was um, in some sort of hyper reality. And, uh, as I, as I looked around, I discovered, you know, that it looked like I was in the interior of a large starship. And it didn't really look like anything that I have ever seen in Star Trek or Star Wars or any of the sci-fi movies. Um, it was very much more organic, I guess. Um, the materials were not metallic. They were made of light and plasma-like substance. I don't know. It, it seemed very organic, Uh and uh, the ship itself was huge. It was um, city-sized. Uh, and it was, uh, seemed like it was technology that I've never seen. Uh, it was just beyond anything that we've even, you know, can conceptualize on, on sci-fi shows. Uh, so everything in this reality seemed a lot sharper, a lot brighter you could see energy emanating from from you know you know objects and and beings it was it was i don't know just uh, i knew i was in some sort of alternate dimension because it was not um it definitely wasn't third dimensional anymore um some of the colors i saw i think were even outside the spectrum of what we see here in third dimension it, there was colors i couldn't even describe so it seemed like the ship was kind of guiding me um, to a room. Um, like I said, the, the ship was, I think, kind, uh, seemed to be like a, a sentient being in itself. It kind of responded to its inhabitants or who was on board the ship. Um, 
it led me to a room. It was a large room, and there was about four or five extraterrestrial beings that were waiting for me in this room, and they were definitely not human. <laughs> I mean, I had never seen any beings like this. Uh, they were I. Uh, I did ask them a lot of questions. Uh, these beings um, told me who they were. Uh, they told me they were Arcturians from Arcturus, and they even had me in some sort of a hologram, and they would kind of illustrate their ideas to me or what they were describing through the hologram. So I would kind of get pictures along with you know, the information they were giving me. And I was actually communicating with them telepathically because there was no way I knew their language. And I'm not sure they, they might've known English, but I definitely didn't know Arcturian. So, um, so a lot of communication we did was telepathic and they answered a lot of my questions I had. And it seemed like I was there for a long time. Um, I, they took me to um, to other parts of the ship. Um, they let me wander on my own for a while, and then I was I found myself in a huge atrium where I encountered some other extraterrestrials. Um, interacted with a couple of them, and then um, just as I was um, going on a light shaft that took um, a person from on board the ship from one end of the ship to the other. Uh, I, I woke up and I ended up actually um, back in my bed and kind of wondering what the heck just happened. <laughs> but, uh, but it was, I mean, so obviously I must have been gone for at least seven hours, but it seemed like I was on board the ship a lot longer than that. Um so I don't know if that's uh, if that answers your question, but uh, but that's how I started getting into the path of of what I do now. Wow, well that was an interesting journey. Um, do you have more you want to say before we start asking you questions? Well, um, just that when I was on board the ship with the Arcturians. Um, and like I said, they didn't look human. They they look kind of translucent, like almost like they were bringing, you know, their they were bringing their energy or their their vibration down just so they could interact with me. Um, because I had a really hard time uh, really looking at them face on. It was like the, their energy was shifting in and out. Um, but they, they each, and they kind of looked similar to each other, They but they had um, beautiful auras. Um, it was like almost like the auras were bigger than the the beings themselves, and they were small. They weren't, like, super tall. Um, they, they, they obviously had larger heads, larger eyes. Um, their, their features did not look. You know, I, I would say they look slightly humanoid, but not, but not like we would. Um, it didn't. They didn't look like gray aliens either. Um, gray aliens have, I think, have kind of a harsh look. Um, these beings had very, uh, I would say, um, uh, elegant features. Maybe um, they're uh, very refined features. Uh, 
they look, uh, but like I said, I had a really hard time looking straight at them. Uh, so sometimes I have, have to you ever glances. seen any? Have you ever seen any renditions? Uh, like, have you um, you know Googled images on Octorians? Have you ever seen any that look like your Octorians? Um, not before my experience, but after my experience, yeah, I think uh, Vashta Narada does a really good job of depicting Arcturians. She's a, a very famous uh, extraterrestrial artist. I think she does a very I'll good look job. For that. How do you spell yeah. that? B A S. How do you spell her name? Vashta. And I think the last name is Narada or Narada. I'll send you a link and the first, um, to her. Okay, work. yeah, send me a link and I'll. And her first name is what? V is in boy or V is in. V is in Victor Vashna. Vashna. V a s h n a. Yeah, she's an amazing artist. Okay, I'll look at her work and see what you're looking. I'm trying to help people figure out what these people look like, and other people have seen them and are making art. Um, so, okay. Um, pulling up some stuff by her. Okay, so um, so you said a lot of things about this ship that were familiar to me. I've been, you know, suddenly find yourself on board a ship and you're um, communicating telepathically, and you're seeing more than it's more than a screen, or it's more than with your eyes. Like when you're communicating, I get, um, you know, what it smells like, what it feels like. Um, all kinds of senses are in overwhelm around whatever you're Yeah, it's definitely a it, – that's why I call it a hyper-reality because you're definitely, I think, able to pick up on much more information uh, than, than you do in third dimension. So, um, so you're getting not just words through telepathy, you're also getting pictures. And then they had some sort of hologram that they had me in, and then I was getting – information through the hologram and then uh and uh a lot of the items you know the the objects you know even in on board the ship um had a lot of energy and so yeah i would say it was definitely a multi-sensory experience right and then you said um the colors were enhanced and and I've seen uh, like a vimana and it's like you could see the molecular structure within um, the structure, and you could see the molecules moving, and they were, and they were full of light. So there was the colors, and, and I don't know how to explain it other than that. Everything was like moving; it wasn't still. It was full of light. Yeah, and that's why else, I said so. things looked organic because they were constantly shifting and moving. It wasn't um, static, uh, and uh, yeah, it was kind of like you could see macro and micro at the same time. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Uh, I don't know if I'm describing it any better, but it's like you could see the the microcosm of an item as well as the macrocosm. I don't know. It's just really bizarre experience. Yeah. TJ, have you ever experienced that? TJ, are you there? Are you on mute? Yeah, can you hear me? TJ. Yeah, have yeah. you ever experienced that type of thing? Well, depends on how you perceive it, I guess. 
Uh, now, your perception. Well, did you based experience on what? telepathic Alien communication? And... Yeah, telepathic communication, like a heightened reality, like everything was. It was more than a dream and less than reality. I don't know how to explain it, but. Well, uh, I pretty much have that all the time. <laughs> but uh, the feeling yeah, here versus. Life. <laughs> uh, where were you? Were you on ship or here on the plane? It depends on where you the perception. Where were you by locating or. Oh. Well, uh, it's a different feeling for me because it feels like I'm as, it feels just like reality here for me. So it's very hard, to, uh, I think, for people to understand by location. It's like uh, in the Bible in the old days, they'd say, I couldn't tell if, you know, it, you can't tell. You don't know if you're in body or out of body. It feels like you're in body, just like this does. And many people think this is the illusion. This is the video game. This is the matrix. And that's real. So. Uh, to be quite honest, Debbie, I have uh, uh, since I've died and had out of body and near death and reincarnation and all mm-hmm. those and done the move thing or Lemurian Atlantis mm-hmm. and Thoth and Egypt and all that, uh, I have a very interesting thought process where my core soul is always out universally way up. So I uh, had an experience as a child, so I had the experience of being on the planet and looking up and being right above the sky with that level. But the one I like to talk about usually is the Allied Command, which is what I was told it was called. But that was working with my husband when he was alive, and we were both – he was Army and I was Navy, but we worked with people in a higher level of existence that was military. You know how you're in uniform. So we worked mm-hmm. with people that look like us and then some of the little gray aliens. And then occasionally you'd see a lighter pink or lighter blue. But, they, you know, it's hard to talk about because people say they were, you know, we're blue bloods. But if you look at our veins, they're blue. But when oxygen hits it, and I've heard, I think, Linda Moten Howe talk about we're red. And I was like, no, we're blue bloods too, not just the royals. Look at your veins, Linda Moten Howe. You know, they're blue. And then when oxygen, so you and I probably would talk at various levels, you know, not just uh, consciously, but medically. So uh, when we're talking to people that are listening, you don't really know who your listening audience is, but to help Janet, uh, Janet, I think when I'm, to be honest, it's more like an ESP thing, but I'm in a physical state of mind that I'm in a physical human body. So uh, you remember we have those things we can wear to speak other languages too. But here, uh, that heightened feeling, I think it's just once you first – I have the big epiphany aha moment that we're not in Kansas anymore. I guess it was sort of a euphoria feeling at first, but you get used to it real quick. And then once you they realize that you understand – the difference, I think that that's how I've been able to work with so many levels of existence. But uh, so, did you just, you got over that though, right? You realized, oh, this is as much reality as, uh, that's why I'd like to talk about the consciousness of it. So, you go ahead. <laughs> how do you explain that? Okay. Because, you know, you and I both okay. been in the Navy, uh, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Guess, how do you get from there to here? Um, yeah, when I was on board the ship, the Arcturians kept, you know, it's funny you mentioned illusion because that's, they told me that like five times that everything we're experiencing in third dimension is more illusion. Um, it's not really the real reality. Um, 
and I didn't really at the time understand what they were, what they were, you know, what they meant, you know, by illusion. Um, but, but I think they meant, you know, not to get so attached to the drama that's on earth, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, the galactic commands, you know, they have things under control and, you know, they're watching over, you know, us that have, you know, volunteered, you know, to be here. And they explained who I really was. I mean, we got into that too. And I was actually pretty shocked because they told me they were my family and I didn't quite understand it at first because I thought there is no way I'm related to these magnificent beings, you know, because I'm just, you know, ordinary person, you know, but um, they explained that I came from a, a physical lineage that came from a long line of Arcturian historians, scientists, and ambassadors. And I have a starseed connection. So my soul originated from Arcturus, but I volunteered to be here on Earth, you know, to assist with the Ascension pro- project, I guess. You know, the, Earth, the, the same right. reason why a lot of us are here, you know. So, uh, uh-huh. you know, so it was, I mean, so they explained a lot. And I think I felt like this overwhelming sense of relief, like, oh, you know, like, you know, okay, things are, you know, th- we have these higher dimensional beings that are watching over us. So it's not like we're going to blow up the planet tomorrow, you know, or, you know, it's uh, it's not going to be this big catastrophe because certain timelines have changed, you know? So, cause I think originally earth was going to head to a catastrophe. Um, you know, there has been talk of world war three, you know, you know, for, for decades, but um, right. I think that timeline has been shifted, you know, so, that is no longer a reality. Um, but anyway, um, as far as how I felt afterwards, um, I think that's what TJ is referring to. Um, I guess I felt kind of like out of place after I came back to, you know, to third dimension because I had experienced, you know, the higher dimensions, I, I don't, it must, it must have been at least fifth dimension that I was in, if not higher than that. And, uh, and I just kind of felt this great letdown, like, uh, uh, like, why, why am I back? And I think it might be even similar to what somebody that goes through a near death experience would have, where, you know, mm-hmm. they're in heaven, or they're in, you know, some, some alternate reality, or some alternate dimension, and then they get, they get brought back to earth and it's like, Oh, you know, what am I supposed to do now? (laughs) You know? And so I I went through, I would say several months of depression, you know, where I just was trying to sort out what happened, what, what was the reason why I had that experience. And it happened to me not just once, but I had a, another um, visit on board that same starship um, in December, 2012. So, um, and in, in that instance, I, I didn't have communication so much with Arcturians. I had a communication with a, 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 what I understand was a, a Pleiadian. Um, and, and it was a little bit more, it was a shorter visit, just very um, informational. And then boom, I was back, you know, on my, my bed again. But, but yeah, I guess it was just, um, I, I, guess, I guess I felt like, what am I supposed to do with this? Why did I have this experience? What does this mean? Um, and I remember, you know, driving to work every morning, 
crying my eyes out because I missed being in the higher dimensional planes. I didn't want, like being back in third dimension. So it, you know, it took me a while to, I guess, uh, to, to get myself uh, reacclimated to third dimension. Um, but the other thing I noticed too, is that my extra, extra sensory perception had increased a hundredfold. So all of a sudden I was seeing UFOs all the time. I was uh, interdimensionally traveling, you know, spontaneously into other dimensions. Uh, you know, I was uh, having astro travels at night. I was having uh, past life, spontaneous past life regressions where I was, you know, remembering things from prior lifetimes or, or maybe even future lifetimes. I don't know, but. Um, and I was picking up information about people. It was like all of a sudden um, I could pick up information about people. And, and then I was having massive downloads of information about uh, mostly about galactic wars and about information about different star systems. And I had no exposure to this kind of information before. I was just like, where is this coming from? And so I was starting to do some research well, because of, I just wanted yeah. to verify what, what I was getting seeing about, was real. What were you getting I'm about sorry. galactic wars? What were you getting about galactic wars? What were they telling you? That they were going to happen or they were going to prevent them? Or No, it was past the galactic wars. It wasn't um, future. Oh. Um, so it was mostly the Laran-Draconian Wars and the Orion Wars and, you know, some of the conflicts that occurred in Sirius. And um, it was it was mostly, mostly incidences that happened in the past. Okay, so I didn't see any future wars, at least I, I, I don't think they were future, but, um, but I knew that, uh, that, I mean, it seemed like I got information along with the images. So I knew that, okay, this war happened in Lyra. This war happened in Orion. You know, this one, there was a con- some conflict that occurred in Sirius, you know. So um, so I, 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 I had, I was receiving information along with the, you know, kind of the movies I was seeing in my head. So the, the, you were getting the, the like the history of the universe. Absolutely, yeah. It was like it was like massive downloads of history. Yeah. So what kind of things and, did they tell you about the Lyran Orion Wars? What did they tell you? Any specifics? Um, or if, even though it wasn't words, maybe it was impressions. What did they tell you? Uh, just that. Uh, uh, you know, kind of, kind of how Lyra started, and you know, they were kind of an. Uh, it was meant to be an experiment, you know, kind of an experiment um, created by these higher dimensional beings um, to uh, to to start creating physicality. You know, so it was more of a physical mm-hmm. realm than what was existing before, and that. Incidentally, Lyra was located uh, right next door to another constellation called Draco, and we all know about Draco. <laughs> okay, so mm-hmm. yeah, so Draco decided that the Draconians decided that they wanted to conquer Lyra because they were interested in the resources that their planets had. Um, 
they weren't really interested in coexisting with the Lyrans at all. Um, but they they deceived the Lyrans because they had reached out to them in the guise of maybe creating a, a treaty of some sort, but actually it was uh, just an opportunity for them to get on board some of the, the planets and see where their weak points were so they can ambush them. So um, it was the most catastrophic, you know, the Lair and Draconian Wars were the most catastrophic event has ever happened in the history of this galaxy. I mean, it's been, uh, and we're I, even to this day, you know, I do, uh, I do quite a few Akashic readings for many uh, hundreds of people. And that, that war in particular has had an impact on almost everybody that I've done, you know, readings for on some, on some capacity, even if they didn't originate from Lyra or Vega. Uh, So they say that 50 million uh, Lyrans, I think lost their lives. Uh, The ones that escaped um, barely escaped. Um, and then, you know, it seemed like after Lyra was destroyed, I mean, there was actually, I think, several planets that were completely annihilated. And I saw these images in my head, and it was horrendous. I mean, World War One and World War Two was really bad here on Earth. The only thing I can think of that might have been on the same level was maybe the bombing of Hiroshima, okay? it was, But that's how bad it was. It was horrendous. Um, so... Uh, so then, you know, the conflict seemed to continue on in Orion, you know, so there's been, I would say, millions of years of wars, because uh, Orion, I think, for some reason, never quite achieved unity consciousness until much, much later on in their history, Um, and they just recently achieved unity consciousness, so they're like the newest member of the Galactic Federation, so I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, I, yeah, I I download a lot of information. TJ, what do you know about the Orion Lyran Wars? Uh, hold on. Sorry. I have to get my other phone. I was listening on my cell phone and I have to unmute my one. I put the show on. Apologize for that. Uh, the, the type of information I received. I guess you can hear me on my other phone. That's good. Okay, let me put this one back on mute now. Okay. Um, mostly all that I know is what I've read in the history of the planet uh, because the people I dealt with were from Andromeda, and there's actually a star system of Mu, M-U, in Andromeda. But uh, people that I worked with, uh, they said... We have a history, and they started mostly with uh, Tom's talking about, I always wondered the infatuation with Hitler, but he starts from there forward, Tom. But, you know, in the Milky mm-hmm. Galaxy, Milky Way Galaxy is separate from where we were working or uh, connected to. That's why I think my uh, publisher with uh, UFO Digest wanted to know if I knew that other gentleman that was talking about Andromeda. But, you know, all that I've heard about uh, everything she said thus far is historically already written about on the planet. Uh, so for me, the uh, Sumerian, Akkadian, and Hebrew and, and all that, you know, if, unless it's there or in the, you know, Mahabharata or the Bhagavad Gita or the 
all the old stories. Uh, there's history, you know, now all over about the Lyran Wars and all that. So uh, those stories all seem to be linked with a history to certain people that they can track the stories written on the planet. So uh, all I would know is uh, what I've read, Janet, but I don't have any firsthand information, okay. you know, from That's the people I, I worked with or that were, you know, guarding the Milky Way galaxy out there, if that's what you mean. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I don't TJ, you had any firsthand information. I don't Go have ahead, any firsthand. So. Everything yeah, I know is uh, given to me through uh, the reading of the books or other people that have written folklore, folk, folk life, and it got ingested into our ancestry, you know, as to some people believe in all that, some don't. But that historically has been pieced together like uh, all the people, Greg Graydon, David Wilcock, David Icke. Right. Uh, I've heard stuff. about all those, you know, in talks. But as far as uh, right. those wars, I don't doubt that they happened. But uh, I personally wasn't – I don't have a, a first – No, I don't have any direct memory. recollection either of the Orion Wars. That's why it's – very interesting when someone has a download. I've read a number of books and other people are getting that information. But um, go ahead, Debbie. You had a question for us or, or uh, TJ, no, go I ahead. I had a question for, That's you. for TJ. Um, TJ, the beings that you connect with, are they from Andromeda Galaxy or Andromeda Constellation? I'm just curious. They're actually universally higher than that. They use that galaxy gotcha. because the language they spoke into my uh, existence and my reality of just like being here in 3D. Mm-hmm. I was in the uh, U.S. Navy at the time, but mm-hmm. uh, the ones I met as a child, to me, I just thought they were like angels or ETs, and they were orb, and they'd come like a <laughs> bubble wizard of Oz. <laughs> but nobody ever, ever mentioned who they were, where they came from, what they were doing here. They were just a presence. And mm-hmm. so when I got in the Navy, then all of a sudden I had these uh, – my husband and I thought it was bullshit at first, like you did, right? Like, oh, bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. once once the uh, programs in my head were as real as this existence, I couldn't deny them anymore. So I started putting my conscience together because I had out-of-body and near-death. So uh, by the time I met them in human form, they were walking and talking and using ASP on the planet. And then when my husband and I worked underground and we met uh, the ships, uh, the the shuttles that would go back up to the – well, uh, Janet calls the secret space program, but I call it the UFO secret space area. It's a different level, and uh, I try to teach it as a above the – well, it's stellar, but it's mm-hmm. above. So uh, they would never commit – but the best thing I could get in the last – I worked in this plant program 20 years, but in the last, uh, let's see, 85 – you and I were working in Navy, 85 to 93. So I didn't learn till I was assigned to my husband, 94, till uh, he died in 2015. It took me roughly 20 years with him on the planet to talking. So when he and I got together – uh, we would use Andromeda because they told him and me they were at the closest galaxy. So he would ask me names because he didn't know how to speak what he experienced. So uh, when he said the closest galaxy and I did, we confirmed and used Andromeda. And they were okay with that because even their names we couldn't say. And when you saw it, it was hieroglyphics like Egyptian. 
you know, similar to that, or back in, mm-hmm. I guess, the fiery clay tablets. They still use the ancient languages to communicate, but they said they found us here. But they look like us. At least they would materialize. Now, I don't, can't confirm or deny that they're physical, but mm-hmm. uh, at least in my, that reality. So see, where I'm at consciousness, these names Andromeda or Lyrans or Ryan, or we used to call, when I was growing up in the 80s, when you said you were looking for books, in my history of reading books, uh, we were always told the Ashtar Command was created by the agency, Central Intelligence Agency, and mm-hmm. that the Ashtar Command was a fallacy of our folklore. But then mm-hmm. uh, the people that uh, ran the bookstores wouldn't let people read that because they said it was programming of the Ashtar Command. But the people that were psychic like me and that we did uh, study through all the books written, you know, like James Churchill and Moo and all that, the books would read on ancient history that would report to those Lear and Orion and Archons and all those. And what we did was we were taught that the good people always, this sounds funny, but they had those that were dark and light and that the light ones would go through the bus stop. So they called that Orion star system. Now, Mm -hmm. um, I know some of the people in the ufology world of UFO association, like Stanton T. Friedman, George Filer, they finally, at first they didn't believe in the uh, grace and uh, that system. And then towards the last few years before he retired, they would refer to the little grays as Zetas, or certain particular ones, because we, I think in our reality, we've decided there's various levels of hot, tall and, and short, you know, in, in a, I guess you'd say in a peer review paper, there's tall and, and short, so we would call them zeta reticulans or zeta reticuli. So it's all you just have to stay on top of your own. What do you get personally as a download versus what you've read or seen? And I've tried to be very unbiased as a journalist <laughs> because I don't like yeah, to mix my stuff. Yeah. But what do you do? How do you say it, right? So for me, I would have to tell you, but then I've been quoted from being an Andromedan because I used it as a reference. And then 10 years ago, they, they just, people that do this separation conflict in the space or in the universal uh, life mm-hmm. theory, their philosophy is to separate us. So they put me over with uh, another gentleman that spoke from Andromeda. So I believe I'm a universal uh, old, 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 very old soul from higher universes. So what I'm down here trying to do is learn how to speak and do planet dimensions, probably just like you. I'm still on that uh, spiritual path of consciousness, trying to figure out what all we're doing down here and what we agreed to and all of that. So there is a, a, a theme running on that, though, and the Mu and the Andromeda run together. So you're right, there's a Mu star system in the Andromeda and oh, also, you know where we should talk about this too uh, is that when people talk about Venus, remember in the old contacts, in the old days, they'd say Venus mm-hmm. is too hot, and I put that in one of my books. Stanton Friedman and I were talking about doing books and working together when he was doing it with uh, Betty and Barney Hill's uh, niece and Kathy Martin. But in one of my books, I put one of his his comments about, well, Venus we know is too hot blah, 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 because what it is is you're facing what you know in your 3D reality versus maybe they were from a Venus that's not the Venus planet in our system. 
So that was always a philosophy and an argument I use, sort of like what I'm trying to refer yeah. to now. That or maybe a you know, I mean, your that correlation. Was a, uh, in a different dimension, maybe. I mean, it could be yeah. a d- different dimensional, kind of like, or you know, new Earth, you know, fifth dimensional Earth is not the same location as uh, you know the current Earth that we're on right now. So it's you know, so, so yeah, we're trying absolutely. to learn. Yeah. You're, you're teaching us, though, the, um, so Venusians. Yeah, that's what it seems. Uh, Venus, there's a lot of people at my conference that are reporting what they know about Venus. So Venus has um, kind of like interdimensional inhabitants. But they they're call able them to lower their, Venusians. You know, Venusians. Yeah, they're able to lower their vibratory frequency and come into human form. So um, Olmec, Olmec uh, came from Venus, and so... What they apparently have is uh, they land in Tibet and they learn how to walk and talk as humans. So they, you know, come down into their vibratory form. They take on them. They sometimes are walking. So the Omnic uh, came into a little girl that had died and took her place. And um, so there's all kinds of stories on Venus. Rob Potter, um, a bunch of people were talking about Venus. So we we can study that. But let's go back to... um, so we were talking about the Orion Lyran Wars and what we know about that. Um, and so there's a lot of books about it. We can study that. There's a lot of YouTubes about it. But I was just interested in what you were told because that apparently was the first division uh, from source into, you know, the first duality was Lyran and Draco. And Well, they started you know, a conflict like, when they – what I understand yeah. is back let me, when we let me were... finish my sentence. Let me finish my uh-huh. sentence, and then I'll pass to the talking stick. So, um, so the Laird and Draco were the original polarity, um, and so they got into a war because they were learning how to be self and not self. So divided into 3D physicality, at first they had to, uh, in self, not self, they had to be able to think uh, not self, so not is negative. So they had to, they, they gradually got more and more negative to the point where they killed each other, right? So at first it's like, oh, I don't like somebody, and then they, you could hit somebody, and then you could kill somebody. And your and your husband Tom had to demonstrate to the extraterrestrials. Uh, they asked, can you hit this person? And he hit them, and they were unable to. So when you're unified in consciousness, you can't hit somebody because it's like hitting yourself, right? You can't kill somebody because it's like hurting yourself. But when you have this uh, self-sense of being separate from one another, then you can hit, hurt, and have war. So this was part of the experiment of a self and a parent other that they eventually ended up warring. But if you if you track it back down, I, I got this the other day from somebody I was talking. I was doing a session with a girl, and, and she channeled, and she said, no, the the Lyrans were, she was afraid of the Lyrans. And I go, I thought the Lyrans were the humanoids, you know. And she said, well, in you know, so we worked through that with her therapeutically. But if you look at the um, the royal crest of the, oh, you know, in the UK, another other different, um, what do you call those, crests, they have the Lyran and the Draco on either side of the crest, right? So you still, I think they're still there. It's still the original polarity. And both those characters are acting out on our planet. And uh, we're still trying to integrate after being separate. So anyway, I just wanted to add that two cents. Um, Debbie, oh, what do you I think add, about that? And then we'll go back to two days. Okay, who wants to add? Go ahead. Whoever I would say that the Lyrans were, were thought of as the smaller constellation here in 
you know, the star systems. But so it depends again on are we talking of which galaxy are we speaking about and are we in agreement on the certain planets? Because I did write years and years ago in the last well, after two thousand seven about the Lyrans and they had the lesions and the Lyrans. So there's uh books out there by me on the Elysians and the Lyrans, and the ones in the constellation were considered felines. But to answer your question back in the beginning, as far as, uh, you know, and I'll let De- uh, Debbie talk about Debbie. this as well. But uh, in the beginning, what you're talking about was zero and one in, uh, in sacred geometry. When you start zero and you have minus one and plus one, yeah, the, the thought of separation of conscious reality into the abyss or into the whole, depending on if you want to believe in hydrogen, oxygen, big bang, and uh, nitrogen, you know, whatever we want to say was in the beginning, if you're talking science, but on the folk life side, or that is in our words, I guess one might say from the people that passed it down from one to the other, the ancient uh, most pure uh, thought process in story that I can find is when we became uh, human form in one, we had two legs, we had four legs and four arms. And then we decided the women uh, had the baby, you know, we were he- female. And we split off, uh, some of them, it <laughs> sounds like, a, what is that show on TV with the famous woman that runs around the, what's her name, but Zena. But the women, uh, they were like, uh, and I've always been called an Amazon anyway. So I grew up knowing women had power and I always had extra strength, extra size. So I sort of relate to this story in this human form. But the women's, when we separated, we wanted that we were the blue. Some of us were the blue color. Some of us were like the ones in India. And we had four arms and four legs. We were, we thought we were, you know, that was perfect. We were pure. We were whole. But for some reason, we wanted to procreate. And we decided, well, the women would have the babies. So the women separated from the men because we were androgynous. So apparently somewhere the wars, and this is the purest stream I've got, is that the wars became when the women having the babies separated themselves, had sex with themselves, androgyny. But the men and the women, now I don't know, I know this is before Anunnaki. Okay, before all that, which we're all into, Enlil and Enki and all of that. So this is way before in the on when uh, they used to create deities, and the deities became, you know, the universes and the worlds and the planets and, you know, how we worked for them creating these things, you know, like the Anaki worked the EGG and the Ajiji, and then now we say the white versus uh, the gray little ones. So it all gets filtered down, and it almost always sounds like the same story before the deluge, right? So, uh, but just letting you know. So I think what you're talking, Jean, and I'm talking is the same story. You're doing it from the conscious or the spirit or the soul or the beginning energy, and I'm taking it down another step into the physical why we separated. And then you can get the whole story of are women better than men? <laughs> Well, what do you got on that, Debbie? You got anything on that? Um, I just always thought it was interesting that the co-creators would create um, Lyra and Vega. I think with the beings you're talking about, they were the white Lyrans that were, you know, there was a separate, you know, separation of humanoid races. You know, there was the white Lyrans that were 
the representation of Father God consciousness and the you know blue layer, uh, blue Vega people that were uh, more Mother God consciousness. But um, I think it was always kind of interesting that it, why would they co-create these beautiful planets and this beautiful star system right next door to Draco? Okay, it seemed <laughs> to me like maybe this was some sort of experiment. Like let's see if we get the, the lightest of the light beings right next to the darkest of the dark and see what happens if we mix them all up, you know? And, and so it kind of makes me wonder if that was just the beginning of a big, long experiment of light against dark, you know, it's just, you know, and also, you know, female against male, you know, so there was, you know, multiple levels of separation, you know, that was occurring, you know, in the beginning times. Um, and I think it was well, just Billy Meyer talked about that, right? He talked about the Lyrans from the Vegas star system. Is that the right? Are you relating to them, the Billy Meyer Lyrans and Vegans? Is that who you relate to? Um, I don't know what. Uh, I guess I'm not familiar with how Billy Meyer describes it, but uh, I'm just I'm just going by what I've seen in the records. You know, just um, uh, Vega was actually a star in the Lyran system. So, uh, but there was, you know, two separate humanoid races that, you know, came, you know, that were developed in, in, in this particular star system. Yeah. So the, the giants in the books of the Nephilim, supposedly, you know, if, well, some people believe the war in heaven and they refer to, you know, the first and second sons and separated that angels and the the nephilim are the giants and then they they saw people on earth were separate and were beautiful and came down and had you know that's sort of like uh what's the other guy adamski before uh he was a good buddy with uh was it adamski janet eric von donican oh he was good friends with zacharias sitchin but he likes to tell the lyran uh nordic features and elohim and came down and you know, the giants. I've heard him recently. He's back on that. But he doesn't want to have us following him and his storyline either. You know, none of us want, want to be quoted as, well, wait, yeah, we know about this and we've read about this. But downloads is one thing and being there is another. So this is why I think you're important is you have the intelligence to help Janet and I and all the people in this group is to start learning how many different stories are out there and where is the folklore where does the original story start so we use etymology and ontology and study the words and they call it plagiarism and internet (laughs) so they go back and find who used the word first (laughs) so yeah but no it's millions of years old though Uh, but somehow, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the history of a lot of these, you know, various star systems that we're aware of right now, um, they all have this great importance because they're all uh, offshoots of the original Lyra Vega, you know, uh, draconian conflict, okay? So I think there was almost like two, two conflicts going on, you know, during that beginning time. There was the light against the dark and also the, the male against the female, you know, and I think you had described that beautifully, you know, with some of your depictions of the separation of, you know, the female entities from male entities, you know, so, and that gets us into a whole other discussion about twin flames and, you know, yeah, and, exactly. you know people keep trying going. to find their other halves, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, well, you got to be where the women were having the babies and the men wanted to have the baby. They're like, well, the women felt like they were superior because they were having the babies and they're like, well, wait 
second we have the babies too. So all those stories happen. And who's important, the men or the female? And then it got to be where we're in 5,000-year reigns, like the politics of the uh, the donkeys have it one this eight years and the, and the elephants have it this eight years, and they rotate because they all work together when they're all sitting down to dinner and when it comes to dividing up the world and the power you know they're all friends so like you get this government and i i get these corporations and i'm going to run the east and you run the west you know all that so it gets to be a struggle and people like you me and janet are trying to figure out if all this is understanding the human race you know underneath it all we have our own (laughs) underneath it all we are at all so we have our own inner and outer masculine and feminine so it's just a serious dichotomy but it's all part of the game. So we have the great the game of self and not self and separation. Uh, but ultimately, we're here to unify again and, and reintegrate all these different thoughts around polarity. So now let's let's go to the next uh, level on this. So so you were given all this stuff about the original wars, and they they want they have you here for you're on you're on a mission, right? You're on task. You have. Things yeah, you're I guess to do. so. <laughs> are you aware? <laughs> My surprise, yeah. So, yeah. Are you aware of who you for. are and, and what? Are you aware of your mission? Have you yes. received oh, yeah, clarity absolutely. about your? Tell us oh, about yeah, your absolutely. mission. Yeah. Um, What's your mission? I guess my mission is multifold. Um, uh, you know, I'm obviously I'm I'm a historian and a teacher. You know, I'm basically here. I think to to uh, disseminate the truth about, you know, where we actually came from, okay, Uh, because there's been so much deception on this planet, you know, with some of the biblical stories and some of the Sumerian stories, and I don't know, you know, there's, you know, uh, you know, there's varying levels of truth interspersed with deception. Um, So I would say that's my overall mission, um, but I think another part, you know, a more personal level of my mission is to help, um, you know, people either, you know, people that uh, you know, go to my YouTube channel or people that come to see me, you know, for readings, you know, or um, is to help them, I think, reconnect with who they truly are, you know, their divine aspects of themselves and and also to remember what their mission is. You know, what did, what did they come here to do? What are their gifts? You know, uh, what was their soul journey? You know, what brought them to earth? Uh, why are they here right now? Um so, so I have, you know, like an overall, I would say, uh, you know, galactic historian perspective, but, and I do teach classes, you know, on, on that as well. But, um, but, but I think that the work I really enjoy is the one-on-ones I do with people when they get that aha moment of, oh, wow, you know, so this is, so this is why I am the way I am, or this is why these things happened in my life because of maybe some things that happened in my prior lives, or maybe because I came from this particular star system or, you know, the experiences I had there, you know, that sort of thing. So there's kind of a psychological component to it. Okay. So, um, uh, my husband likes to call me the galactic psychologist, (laughs) you know, people are, asking me questions about things that are going on in their lives and I, I can kind of help them maybe put the puzzle pieces together a little bit. So, um, so I'm basically just a conduit. That's basically what I'm here to do. Well, do you subscribe to the, uh, let's see, how would one say this? The uh, levels, uh, the gentleman, Philip, Lin- is it Philip Lindsay? What's his name? 
I think it's Philip Lindsay out of Australia, and the government, I had another lady, Barbara something, but she was in a think tank for the government and PhD level uh, in psychology, but they were following the root races, the seven mm-hmm. root races. Uh, yeah. Have you ever heard his, heard his YouTubes of the history of humanity? And the I haven't root races? Heard, I've heard of the concept. I haven't heard personally the 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 seven, the root race uh, YouTubes, but I've had other people um, tell me about that, and I'm like, well, yeah, that sounds like kind of like what. Um, you know, the downloads I've been getting from the records, you know, it's just, uh, uh, you know, there was quite a few extraterrestrial uh, visitors that we had here on Earth, and they all had a hand, or many of them had a hand in uh, manipulating the human genome, (laughs) okay, you know, so, uh, and like I said, that was probably another big experiment, you know, so, yeah, I don't know how the Lyrans and Bagans got taken over, except the people were uh, referring to them, and they even wanted to take over the Andromedans. It got to be where the Vagans and Lyrans were, you know, supposedly interbreeding with uh, the events, but uh, the Book of Enoch and all that, Enoch. Uh, but in addition, Nordic-looking yeah. humans. They said because we were Nordic, are from Norway, are really from, uh, it, we're Norwegian, are from up in the Tibetan mountains, et cetera. You know, people say, you know, we talk about this, oh, we're starseeds, oh, we're Lyrans, and they'll say, no, Andromedans, you're an Andromedan, you're from, uh, you're Lyran descent, because all Andromedans, I'm like, wait, whoa, where do y'all get all this? It's all, you know, the galaxies and the universes and all of the star systems and all of that. So mostly from what I've seen in the last 30 years in metaphysics is everybody's been breaking it down and the stories got accepted as stories and Billy Meyer is a key figure, you know, along with the Book of Enoch and then uh, Zacharias Fiction. But all of it depends. It goes back to the deluge. But the seven the government seemed to like the think tanks that were professing working in the Indian lore, all the different eleven cultures that were around with the pyramids and the people that built them and all the Indian lore in those stories when they found them in fire clay tablets, you know, and all the uh, ancient Sumerian and Akkadian all sort of blended in, but we don't have anything before that. But we say, yes, we did. It's just it was destroyed. So now they're saying, well, we're going to rewrite history. So I'm not sure where this is going to go, you know, with the real proper uh, motion of the planets and all that, because we're just getting where we understand time, space, and gravity. So it's all about communication and the words we're choosing. Because if this flips into another reality, uh, all these words aren't going to matter unless we know what they mean. (laughs) And the people we're talking to, they're not going to care if they're from this star system or another star system because it's still separating the conflict. And so the system that they set up to control, a lot of people still blame on the Anunnaki, you know, and the Gigi, because they need them to mine gold for their planet coming through here every 3,600 years. So understandably, you were like, wait, so if these guys come back through, and are they going to take a bunch of us? And some people say, yeah, they're still taking people, that the universe is, you know, benefiting from human forms because we have the body, mind, spirit, and can do the traditional lifting, you know, some of the work, like the pyramids were made with extraterrestrials and the human original Ajiji from the Anunnaki. So 
I don't know. Do you do your people ask you at what level you get your downloads and where do you come into the reality? Because I have to say my soul's millions, if not billions, of years old. At least fifty million. <laughs> where the Valyrians come in and form the Black Dragon or the Black yeah, League. I, yeah, I think I was um I originated before Lyra because I, I remember Lyra. I mean I um I don't think I'm from there, but I, I do remember the conflicts. Um, but I, I can't give you a timeline. Uh, yeah. I, I think the Arcturians had a different, uh, they were a different consciousness, um, kind of separated um, uh, from, a lot of people think Arcturians are Laren descendants. No, they're not. They're they're from a different consciousness. They were meant to be, I think, the uh, the guardians, you know, of, of you know this section of the galaxy you know so you know we were kind of the uh the record keepers and the gatekeepers you know of 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 souls basically because the dark tourist is a stargate you know a lot of people i think are aware of that but um it's a stargate where you know souls pass through you know they get their life reviews and uh then you know they get also uh you know their next you know incarn incarnation assignments but um, Do you remember yeah, anything? Forty million that they use a forty million year. They use a twenty-two million year. Now that's human Earth because you have to. When you talk about time, you got to remember that people here started using. Oh yeah, time uh, is time uh, very different sun. in the in the higher dimensional realms. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, and I, I experienced that my, my, myself personally. You know, it seemed like, you know, when I was on board the ship, I was there for a long time, but when I came, you know, back to third-dimensional reality, it was like I was just gone a few hours, you know. So, exactly. That's exactly yeah. the problem because of the yeah. uh, time-space warp, I guess one might say, or they're still conquering gravity here. Well, they, they, so, can, they can take you and return you like when we left. It's a, they go outside time and space, so that's... A, you know, it doesn't matter. They they can bring you back five seconds after you left or before you left. <laughs> now they always bring you back after you left. Never put back fifteen so seconds. They, yeah, there's some there's some like you were saying. Yeah, but they they it's bring like you the back really close to when you left. Yeah, it's real close, so, but not the same for some reason. And I still don't know that. But I hope that in quantum physics and something in my lifetime, at least I get to figure out that second interval with time, space, and gravity. But uh, yeah, in time, there's no time, space, or gravity out there at all. So no. the only reason that so people use years is because they're talking Earth language. Exactly. <laughs> we have to talk yeah. Earth language. Yeah, that's that's um, yeah. Time is relative when you're out in the higher dimensional realms. So they're, you know, so you know, I we could be talking about you know time that's occurring in the future, you know, and. Uh, and it could be happening simultaneously with time, you know, with incarnations we've had in the past and the present, you know. So, uh, so a lot of times, you know, when I do Akashic readings for folks, it, it's kind of hard. You know, I try to put it in a linear fashion just so my client can understand, you know, maybe their storyline. But a lot of times I don't even get information linearly, you know, in a linear way. It's more like, you know, uh, you've had these experiences. Okay. Well, and they use a genetic line. What don't that? you think? The language What's on that? this planet, with the we'll just say the Lyrans and Vegans, they yeah. choose to use a genetic line 
that's the way they were taught, I guess, and that's what's like right. the Book of Enoch. They use a genetic based on mother and father and who is your mother and father and who is your mother and father. And they compare that in millions of years based on this solar system or how many times. Right, right, you know, yeah. On, on the sun. So they had sun worship or work for those from the heavens came or above the sun, but they still would take their lineage. So you're using, uh, when you teach your people the genetic lineage, which is like the churches use, a gen- and, and we do that, a linear timeline still based on the sun. And so, gen- but this is a good point. That at least we don't get anything out of the genetics and lineage, the engineering, you know, let's, even if we use the Anunnaki. When they started engineering, they used time, space, and gravity in the sun system to teach people, you know, like Soth did, taught them, okay, stick a stick in the, watch the sun, and it's going to go around this stick. <laughs> You're going to have a shadow. So they taught them two-dimensional thinking and linear timelines, right, in the beginning. And so we're still teaching that. <laughs> okay, this is two, and this is 3D, and this is lineage, and you're genetic, so you have a genetic timeline. <laughs> but how else can you do it? That's earth thought process. You know, well, you, like yeah, you have, to, you have to break it down to where it's understandable, you know, for, you know, for most people, you know, especially, you know, in this reality that we're in right now. I mean, I think if you try to explain things on a, you know, a fifth or, or even seventh dimensional level, it's, it'll be just too overwhelming, you know. So, I mean, just, you know, you've had, you know, your multi, uh, when you've had your multi-dimensional experiences, it's hard to describe when you come back here to 3D because there's no words, you know, for what we experience. You know what I'm saying? So we're in, yeah, yeah, having so, trouble introducing oneself linearly and genetically. When you know genetically and linearly, you can only talk. Well, I have a program in me that says I have a birth certificate with a name on it that says I am American. So we have to start there, and then we can look right. at the timeline with the Mormon Church and give them a number that I was sealed in the temple in Washington D.C. But you know that church has me dead in this reality. And you say you're supposed to be the most, most the best (laughs) on the planet, but I'm dead according to them in this reality. I checked it recently, the number that they gave me. So even the the uh, system that they have in this 3D reality for humanoids is not uh, foolproof. It has genetic flaws. And I believe that's why we're going back to separate the souls from the AIs. Oh, Janet, let's ask her. Debbie, did you get any downloads or did you have any firsthand experience with uh, AI or those without a soul? Because one of my big missions, and I wouldn't talk about it for years with Janet or anybody because it scared the crap out of me. And we called it the black soul and the, you know, where the gulf of the souls came from and they were running out of souls. And I'm like, well, how can that be if we create them? But then it was the AIs. It was the war of the, uh, like Valerians and Vegans, but we had gotten so brilliantly intelligent in blocking out what we knew so we could create it again that the AIs took over. And then they didn't want the souls, so they sent people down here without the souls. And some are supposed to be walking around I think around we're today. already AI. I think we're already been. I, I think we're like on. But um, you have a soul, Elsa Galactica. I think. Yeah, I have but a soul, I know. But I've I don't know soul. this. I don't know this souls. <laughs> I, I don't know about the souls, not souls thing. That's 
It's not proven, but in any way, shape, or form, she's about to talk. Well, with so the brain you have. Debbie. Debbie, what do you think? Debbie, what do you think? <laughs> about as far as AI, I, I do think there's entities the, here that uh, do not contain souls. I, I, I would agree with that. Have, have I encountered any personally? No, because that's not. I have. Uh, you know, those aren't the people that are, you know, that are attracted to me, I guess. But, uh uh, but yeah, I would believe I do believe that there are entities here. They're mostly, I think, um, they call them MIBs too. Um, the men in black are not just the people that work for the government. Okay, there's men in black that actually originated from Orion. That are, I think, uh, they're they they are monitoring things here on this. Okay, uh, they don't necessarily have souls. Okay, uh, they're they're just like uh, I don't know, like like physical avatars that are being controlled by maybe oh. you know archons, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. Like but, uh, I I twice met um, I've twice met people that had no souls, and it's really it's shocking because when you meet them and you look in, you know, we we look, we're drawn to look into people's eyes, right? But right. It's like falling into a well. It's like there's nothing there. <laughs> and so um, it it actually kind of takes your breath away. You go, oh, my goodness. But I was actually in a very public place, and I can't remember the name of the – it was an actor. I was in – I was up in uh, State College, and they were filming um, a movie up there. Oh, Hoffa, Hoffa. It was one of the actors. And I went over to the bar. They were just uh, – hanging out at this one bar on campus, right, off campus. So I went over there, and I went over to see Danny DeVito and, um, you know, uh, what's his name? They, anyway, several of the actors. And I came up to one of the actors, and, and I introduced myself. And, oh, it's like a, it's like a chill. It's like a, a <laughs> it's, it's shocking. And, and I, I didn't know how to talk about it, who to talk to, but I knew it was going on. I go, this person does is a soulless being. Now, of course, because they're different, you want to make them evil. But I, I'm sure that this person, you know, didn't think of himself as evil. He's not a well-known actor now. He was back then, was a major spirit. actor. Hi, Amad. And um, let me finish. Let me finish my train of thought. So back to souls and soulless. I'm not sure it's. You know, it's good or bad. It's that's that's our tendency is to put things into categories. Um, I think a lot of people don't have souls, and they're not. They're trying to learn. You know, they're they're like Pinocchio or um, Data or other characters. You know, uh, what was that one? Who's the one, who's the one in the Wizard of Oz? Who I only had a soul, right? So I had a brain. I, I think they had really, a heart. They really tin man heart and brain and. Yeah, it's, the brain was, it's on, it's was like the the, tin yeah. man, and the scarecrow so they're, they're wanted to heart. They're trying to become human. They want to become human. So I think it, even if it is a soulless being, uh, many of them, not all, but I can't I don't almost say everything is all, but I, I think many of them are really uh, wanting to have souls. It's just like a sociopath human. A sociopath human tries to, um, you know, mock emotions, but they lack them. So I think we need to like go beyond judgment and say, okay, maybe soul, not soul, but you know, they could still be 
They can still well, the brain and the heart yeah. connected now is a lot of these speakers are doing feelings, thoughts, and emotions together with consciousness. But a mad painter, are you here, Janet? The last thirty minutes. A mad, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Hi, oh, yeah. mad. Hi, Thomas. Uh, evening, ladies. I, I want to tell you all. Y'all are doing an awesome show tonight. I'm really enjoying it, and uh, the, the AI really irks my butt. <laughs> <laughs> What, well, you jump what, in. What's a body that Go irks ahead. your butt? What, what irks your butt? Uh, I, I do believe that there are lower lower density uh, elements trying to uh, become human with a soul. I, I think they're out here to steal our soul. Well, it, there's actually several scenarios. Like you said, I, I do believe there are some who want to ascend to have a soul. But I do believe a lot of them are the lower entities trying to invade our space and 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 become sentient. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I think there's a lot that want, and I actually had one that tried to suck my soul out of my body. But I've been looking at it for years, and I'm trying to separate what's my knee jerk gut reaction and what was really going on. Um, and so you know, I still don't have the answer, but. I'm not 100% sure that their agenda was evil or bad. Um, so I'm still looking at it. But anyway, somebody else. Well, that's like something. anything that wants to eat. You, know, you can't you know, put down a cow because it wants to eat grass or, or a, a wolf because it wants to eat a deer. I mean, it's in their nature to do this. So you can't really call that evil. Okay, yeah, so that's so nature. That Go ahead. It could be nature. their nature. Um, yeah. All right. Debbie, what do you think about all this? Um, I guess, you know, as far as AI, uh, um, I do know that there's um, entities out there. And, I mean, we can get in deep into some, you know, really deep in some rabbit holes about, you know, what's the purpose of human trafficking and why children, all these children are, are becoming missing and, you know, why there's, you know, missing people, you know, but, uh but I do think there are, you know, certain entities that are trying to hijack um, maybe other people's souls. I, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I personally don't have and have haven't had any encounters with these beings. Um, uh, and, and the only encounters I have had have had that were similar were shapeshifters. Okay, so. Um, I have encountered shapeshifters, and that's an, and I don't know if it's the same entities or not, but but uh, these beings are usually uh, draconian or you know maybe tall grays that are that are trying to disguise themselves as human in order to blend in, you know. Well, and, the grays can have a human soul or have a soul of the ancients. However, shadow people. They're two-dimensional, but uh, think about it. In the, you were talking about men in black, but see, we I worked with – I was considered a woman in black because of the kind of work mm-hmm. I did in the government right. in the intelligence right. world. So to me, right. I never heard, like you described, MIB, but I do know that I've seen some on video, two white dudes. But I had worked with one, Debbie, in the government, in the Navy, in mine and your Navy, and by the way, Ahmed was Navy. He was tall, thin, wore black, and he black tie and skinny tie. When I went to the CIA and did my uh, one of my later on rehires and the polygraph, they brought in I don't know five to seven guys in, in black suits and mm-hmm. told me to remember them 
10 years later, they'd be back in contact with me. So I know human forms in the intelligence world, we use those, and we use them in the Department of Energy when we expect that. And they train some of the young recruits in the intelligence world, you know, men in uniform, because in the global society of, of the corporations and the governments, you'll see men in black, but they'll see them, you know, the dignitaries. So they would blend in when you travel. You know, it's sort of like you see the president in a suit, and, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So they blend in. Yeah. Let me ask all of y'all about these uh, shadow people because I've seen them in between. This is how I got really spooked out as a kid. I was in my 20s, and before the uh, government came and got me in uniform, or, well, okay, no. I'd been in uniform, but they wiped my mind out, you know, when I was a kid from San Diego because I was working on the uh, first uh, UFO story uh, before Stan got there, uh, Jesse Marcel's story. So that the Navy took me, and I had to interview Jesse Marcel and because I was Louisiana, and, and uh, took me to. And he told me that he had it. I was looking for the part of the ship, and he he told me that he had it buried in the backyard. You know, I could still see him sitting in a uh, well. They call him a wife beater. Those white shirts, you know, belt, and sitting at a table in his kitchen, and pointing to the backyard. And I said, "Well, can we go dig it up?" And he's like, "No." He said, "I just tell people that." And I'm like. He never would tell me if he really had it in the backyard or not, but that's as close as I could get it. But anyway, where I'm going with this is back in that time, there were people that were trying to figure out what I was doing, but I couldn't tell if they were multidimensionals or real people. And you know how you see them sometimes at night when you're going to sleep, and sometimes you'll see something move like a shadow in your room? And it's gotten to be a big thing. I've written about it for years, Men in Black. But I've also written about shadow people, and it got to be in our folklore. But I think those shadow people are like what you said, Debbie. They're like avatars, but they're working in a different – they're working in this dimension, but we can only see their shadow. But I don't know if they have souls or if they're, like you said, avatars, somebody from another place and dimension in uh, quantum mechanics is working them here. So can can, can I ask you, Debbie, and ask Mad? And Janet. <laughs> What's that? Uh, what was the question? About a two-dimensional soul in a in a men in black or in a dark, a shadow person, because shadow people, men in black. I, I'm trying to look to see if y'all agree that the soul or not soul, where Mad came in. Admin said, uh, I'm Mad here. He said it really perturbed his butt. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so I'm just trying to get everybody to con- con- comment on souls, AI, two- and three-dimensional dark shadow people. I think dark shadow people can be entities from other dimensions. I think that's mostly what they are. Sometimes the shadow people can be just ourselves or another aspect of ourselves. And it could be, you know, us trying to integrate the dark aspects of ourselves with our our light aspects. Uh, So I I think it it could be multi-level that way. Um, huh, that's most very of the philosophical. time, though, when when I uh, when I have clients that ask me about shadow people, it's usually dark entities. So they're they're beings outside of themselves that uh, they're having encounters with. But I've had some clients who've had encounters with shadow people that were actually another aspect of themselves. So you know, there's that too. You know, um, Whoa. yeah. And that's, Mad, do you know that anything about that? <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other layer. Mad, you I, got anything to add? 
I, I'm good. I really agree with her about that. I believe a lot of them are, are self-generated, uh, uh, other aspects of your higher self that you don't realize is there. I mean, we, we all have really uh, 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 the ability to, to put cruel things on other people, and it's an aspect of us that we have to deal with, and some people deal with it in that manner. Seeing Whoa, it as a dark we got to have a whole side show on that. Figure. <laughs> Shadow people and the aspects of your soul, AI with soul, without soul. That's a whole, uh, I guess it's like dimensions and realms and your aspects of how you think in your own personal philosophy, how you put your story together. I kind of see a lot of us just, you know, living this, you know, simulation, you know, that, and we're all multi, you know, multi-dimensional beings. And, you know, of course in this, you know, third dimensional realm, you know, we, we go through this veil of forgetfulness, so we don't remember, or or don't or don't are not consciously aware of the other aspects of ourselves. But we're we're most of us are all multidimensional beings. I mean, we all we all have multiple expressions of ourselves throughout, you know, different different levels of dimensions and frequencies. So um, it's interesting, you know, we were talking about, you know, shadow people. Um, there's a video that's going to be uh, published on my YouTube channel that is about a client who's facing her shadow self, but she, she was originally, I guess, experiencing them as beings outside of herself, you know, that they were these black shadows that were coming into her room at night. And so when we went through the records, we were, you know, we were discovering that, Oh no, this is actually aspects of yourself that, you know, you're, you're encountering. They're not, they're not, you know, interdimensional beings from uh, from other star systems you know so uh so there's no accidents i mean i just i just thought it was kind of interesting that uh you know we're about to publish this this video that is on this topic you know so um um but i think that's something that i think is important i think for people to realize that you know that um you know we we all have you know multiple dimensions of experiences and and, you know, the people say, you know, well, you know, are you a parallel soul? I think we're all to some level parallel souls, okay? I think there's some people that probably experience parallel lives maybe more expansively. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I would say that, yes, I think, um, th- you know, there are, you know, multi-level dimensional experiences that people have. And, and we're just now, I think, as a consciousness, you know, as a collective consciousness here on this planet, you know, starting to become aware of that. Well, um, are you ready for me? <laughs> yeah, I think that, um, well, in psychology, we do shadow work and we talk about, um, you know, that shadow aspect of ourselves and we break ourselves down into our sub-personalities and allow them a voice and to take center stage and talk and express what their needs are and, and desires and, you know, help uh, to reintegrate that into yourself so you become whole and complete because we, we split into our sub-personalities. And then, so I'm aware of my multidimensional self. I've done, a, I've done a lot of shadow work and all that. But that being said, that these could be aspects of ourselves and that and it's not that it's one thing or the other. I did one day see a being I was in my I was living with Jason in Honolulu in a high rise and then one night I'm out of my I always travel out of my body so I'm out of my body 
and I see this dark figure, but it was like a solid, it was almost like a cartoon cutout. No light came through it. Um, it was very solid and black, but it looked like a, a, a thin being in a, in a, a, like a cat woman suit, but it was androgynous, and it was reaching towards my face, finger extended. And I'm watching it, I go, oh, my goodness, that's me, and it's reaching towards me. It's hovering over me. It's crawling up. Um, you know, careful not to touch me, but crawling up and reaching towards my my face. And so I jump into my, I, I go over instantly to the other side. So I'm looking from my face down as this being touches my tooth. My mouth was open a little bit, and I was breathing through my mouth. And, and as soon as it touched my tooth, I felt it, and it had a fingernail, even though it was uh, kind of just one-dimensional, and it touched my tooth, and I popped back in my body, and I bolted upright, and, and I made it go away. So I don't think that was an aspect of myself. That it seemed to be outside of myself. However, in the grand design, everything is self. <laughs> you know, we're all one, and so, you know, and that level, yeah, that was part of myself. Anyway, that's what I just wanted to share. Anybody there? I'm here. <laughs> so, okay. No, I think that's interesting. <laughs> Any because, comments uh, on that? Yeah, I would say, uh, like, um, I have some clients who do have encounters with dark beings, and they're not aspects of themselves. They're, you know, actual dark entities, maybe from Orion or from, you know, some other dimension or some other star system. So, um but I think it's interesting that you, you know, brought it back to the kind of up to the macro level where you're, you know, you know, actually, you know, reptilians, you might consider reptilians to be aspects of ourselves. You know, they're the, you know, the shadow, maybe they're our shadow selves, you know, that we're, you know, we're in this conflict with. Um, I think a lot of us do run conflict programs. I see this a lot when I do Akasha clearings um, where, you know, that we have, I think, conflicts. Uh, that occur, you know, I would say externally in in our reality that are external from us, but they're actually, I think, a result of of, of a conflict within ourselves. That, and, but we're just manifesting it in in reality because, you know, the as I guess, you know, as that, you know, as beyond ourselves, you know, it's also within ourselves. Okay, um, right. Yeah, so I don't know if that's kind of related to what you're talking about, but um, but I do notice that quite a bit, you know, with with folks and even with myself, you know, like if I'm feeling an internal conflict within myself, seems like things are not working as right in my external life, you know, like you know things are breaking down or you know or I get into an accident or you know there's you know all kinds of uh, manifestations that can occur from that so maybe this black being was could have been maybe something that wasn't you you know i've seen that too um or it could have been an aspect of yourself but maybe it felt very separate yeah and so i think on the highest level it is all self and so it's a spirit dichotomy but because we're in this experiment of self and not self but self parent other that we simulate that way uh, so that we can 
you know, um, have an experience and learn from it. You know, if you read Edgar Casey's description of how God became self-aware of itself, they called it God. I call it Source. Um, right. It's it's very interesting to go reread that, and it's like, wow, it's kind of spot on, right? Even though that's from the 40s, uh, or one of our earliest attempts of a human being trying to explain the all that there is, was, and ever will be. So, um. I don't know. It's, it, it, I know it all and I don't know anything. <laughs> That's all I know. The more I think I, I got it, the more I go, wow, it's just a, a part of it. So um, that's one of my goals, why I keep doing these shows, is to create awareness. So, you know, we're in this matrix. We're in the puzzle. We're getting pieces of the puzzle. And hopefully through all this we can become conscious and stop uh, fighting with ourselves. We're fighting with ourselves with aspects aspects of ourselves <laughs> and you know this whole within and without and self and not self it's it's really comes down that we're fighting with ourselves on some level and if we could just get over it we could start you know supporting each other and having global peace and maybe this game will end but a lot of people don't want the game to end they they like the game what do they do with their spare time they go play war games online right so they like right, the game exactly. so, well yeah. that was in our history and our nature but, Debbie, let me ask you this. In the Lyran and the the wars that, you know, they use this historically for millions mm-hmm. of years, uh, mm-hmm. in the Andromedans, or at least this is the people that talk, you know, that uh, Alex Collier is uh, one of the original ones. Connected uh, with, yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar with him. Well, he said uh, that the uh, – the original people that were Terrans, so those that did terra firma worlds, mm-hmm. were the Lyrans. And uh, mm-hmm. the Lyrans were the first humanoid. Uh, but see, I, I don't know how that works with all the dimensions and the millions and billions of years in this solar system. Because the people that were like me in the Navy and uh, the ones that worked in the Army underground and you know military and then those that go up sh- – to the secret space, these people know that we had a reason to fight. Uh, I don't know if you call them the draconians or Janet and I just call them. They're like wharf people. And, and imagine you may remember this with me and Janet and Tom. There was always some race out there that seemed or thought they were superior that would just come and take the planets that they wanted and keep moving on, right? Because they thought mm-hmm. they that, that right. Draco- you know, I'm talking about the bad guys. Yeah, so no, I know what you're saying, yeah. Do you think that the Lyrans were first, or do you know anything before the uh, Andromedas, or the people I call Andromedas, but that's because they, were, they said they were from the, they're from the universe. But see, my universe is inside another universe, or parallel universes. Mm. But just they were talking from people before they got to this planet, <laughs> and this galaxy. Do you know anything before the? Because some of the people have asked, well, where are the Lyrians, you know, where are the Vegans, where does everybody come from? Because you know the Anunnaki story is so big out there. But then they came from on, you know, from the heavens came the on. And so, do you have any information before that? You know, before um, Lyra. I don't know. My understanding, and you know, this is. I don't know. I mean, we can get into multiple levels, you know, of history here, but um, it's very possible that, you know, the first people that visited Earth were probably Lyran Lyran Vega refugees, okay? 
Um, but then you had an, an, another group of beings, you know, maybe what we, what, you know, just for, for, you know, our purposes here, we'll call them, you know, the draconians that also arrived on the planet and, uh, you know, they had their own agenda. Okay. And they created, you know, maybe subhuman groups, you know, that, you know, they took genetics, you know, maybe from, you know, Lyra Vega genetics and created, you know, what we know, know as earth humans today. Okay. And they always talk about the flood, you know, in every civilization, they talk about how the flood wiped out the giants. Okay. Well, who were the giants? You know, the giants were probably these Vega Lyran people that they just wanted to wipe them out, you know, because, uh, you know, the, uh, and then they always had, you know, some family that they would save that had, I guess, the right genetics. You know, in, in the Bible, they, it was Noah, you know, um, Noah and his family, you know, that they had, you know, certain genetics that they wanted to preserve. But, um, you know, the, the people that were the giants, that these were, you know, beings that were either from other star, star systems or mixed with people from other star systems, they didn't want to hang on to those because they probably couldn't control them. You know what I'm saying? So, the um, so yeah, I can say possibly that, you know, it was probably, I mean, I mean, but who knows? I mean, I, um, I, I still look at the records and, you know, I'm trying to look beyond Lyra Vega and sometimes I have a really hard time, at least with earth, you know, but, um, but it's interesting that, you know, when you, when you, you know, uh, read the Vedic texts, you know, they talk about, and this was like millions of years ago, you know, they had these Zamanas that were visiting Earth, you know. Well, where did they come up with that technology? You know, they must have come from a different star system. And I, I personally believe those Zamanas were from Vega, okay. I think those beings that, um, you know, the Vedic authors were talking about were possibly from Vega, but, um, but, you know, but then, you know, you had those giant beings that were Nordics, you know, so where did they come from? Um, so they well, came from some... Mithra, the Mithra, Jesus versus Mithra stories, the, the cult of the Mithra, but yeah, that's all from a Vedic worship, Akkadian for contract, the Mithras. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. they, they do think. Now, I've seen some of the taller ones for the gods of the original deities. And the yeah. Indo-Iranian, or Iranian, I remember my Iranian boyfriend, he says, it's not Iran, it's not, it's Iran. So for Iran, the Iranians, right, they had the uh, de- deity Mithras. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of the mysteries. And they said they were a mystery cult that carried on to the Roman world from the Indo-European. And what I've seen on TV from the Akkadian and the oldest that we venture back to the gods mm-hmm. and the deities, mm-hmm. go back to the El gods, you know, which we had uh, the Titans. And then that still goes back to Ledic. Don't you cover the Titans and the Lyran and Vagan wars, the Titans, the giants? Yeah, I think it's all the same thing. I think the it's deities the same. and the gods. Yeah. Yeah, I think is. it's just the same it's the same story being told over and over and over again in different cultures and different um well, how did civilizations. They get the Titans and the, the deity gods off because everybody loves the hero worship and the giants and the you know, Thor and Zeus and Neptune and yeah, we just had another movie come out, you know, but we, we need our history and our heroes. But 
un, it makes you wonder where the gods went. But then we've had people that still have that. You know, we've had one in China, and you've seen them on TV or YouTube where they have the giant people in our genetics, and then they found mm-hmm. some skeletons. But then it makes you wonder, did they take them off the planet, or did they all leave? Were they the original Anunnaki or the Nephilim? And they said they punished them, or did the gods say, screw it, we're all leaving? And did they all leave and leave the ones, the little Gigi people, or the little us, you know, the human, what they call mm-hmm. homo sapiens sapiens? <laughs> right. We're, we're Terrans because of the type of life with the planets that we exist in. So genetically, we're on that time, genetic and the time based on the solar the Terra system we set up. But who set right, it up? Exactly. Do you yeah. believe that some of the giants may have been from, uh, you know, when they found the beautiful women or they liked us when we separated and became women? Do you think that uh, they were from another complete universe? Where where does your telepathy or your downloads are your? Um, uh, I think they came from other star systems. I'm not uh, possibly other universes. I mean, uh, I think there was, I think there was quite a few different star races that were visiting Earth. I mean, I don't think it was just the Larens and the Vegas. I think maybe they were the original ones. But um, but I mean, even I mean the Pleiadians, you know, came. And colonized, you know, Earth, and you know, then there was Andromedans. I mean, it seemed like the Pleiadians were more on the western, you know, part of the world, and then you had uh, a lot of uh, influences from Andromeda, you know, in the you know eastern part of the world, you know, Southeast Asia, you know. So, uh, you know, so when I do Akashic readings for people, you know, a lot of times their physical genetics, you know, it's like, like almost like their physical genetics acts as a um, as a kind of a soul marker or DNA marker for their soul, you know, to connect. Um, so they have to have some level of, you know, physical genetics that come from that star system, you know, uh, but, uh, but, you know, I think it was a quite a few uh, different races that were visiting earth and, and maybe just got so convoluted that, you know, it was just decided that, okay, we're just going to wipe everything out and we'll just leave, you know, the people with, the the most homo sapien uh genetics at the time you know to to continue living here under the the control of these higher dimensional beings that i guess you know you you want to call them archons or dark cabal or whatever you know that have been controlling things behind the scenes you know for hundreds of you know thousands of years you know so and then there's the whole story of Atlantis and Lemuria and, you know, why were they developed and, uh, you know, what was Atlantis supposed to represent and what was Lemuria supposed to represent, you know, so there's that, that whole level too. So, um, well, that's where the AI story gets folded into the blue and the red skin people and Billy right. Myers, you know, talked about uh, the Vegas star system, the constellation of Lyra. Right. In your mind's eye. From what, uh, yeah, from what I get is from, from from what I get is that from the getting from the get go, whatever planet gets all created and then it gets to a point where people can uh, beings can start visiting it. It's kind of like it becomes a place where people can come and terraform. They can visit because Cuomo, uh, what's his name? What's um, his Cremo, Michael Cremo. Michael Cremo, when he does his um, archaeology, he he goes down to the side of a mountain. He says, you can go all the way into the side of a mountain, and you'll see these giants 
uh, way in deep levels in the in the billions of years ago. You know, so whenever it was they they were able to start visiting, they started to visit. And what was the agenda? Apparently, there's a bunch of people out there, beings that are colonizing. They're um, doing micro, or they're doing interventionism. They're introducing species. They want to see how this species will fare on the planet, and so they. It's all intentional. Uh, there's no accident, and it's an ongoing experiment because the goal of, of creation is to diversify, um, you know, creation to create more and more subspecies and and to create experiences for people, uh, vehicles, avatars for for souls or whatever to come down and have experiences and learn and grow and evolve and and further diversify creation. So I don't think there's an accident here. It's not. I think that the the latest uh, intervention, uh, apparently there was a, uh, Sasha talks about it uh, from, from his research, there was some kind of council of Atona where they agreed to start to incorporate, I don't know, 23 different species, 24 different species. But the Dracos language. got to, they, they got to, the Dracos got to give us the brain stem. So the Dracos weren't left out of the equation. It was part of the, their two uh, creative species. But what happened in all this stuff is they created what's called the metagene. And we've talked about this in past shows. The warrior and the gene. metagene is the, the, is the ability, it's not just the warrior gene, it's the ability to, uh, you know, anchor heaven to earth. We can be in third level dimension physicality and still be connected to source. And that's called connecting heaven to earth. Because apparently, in order for us to diversify, we have to go unconscious and, and forget, right? So we're forgetting who we are and where we came from. But the, the metagene allows you to, to go through all the realms, which apparently we exist. We exist in all the realms. There's a galaxy version of ourselves. There's a solar system version of ourselves. There's all these different beings, and there's a version of ourselves in, in all levels and vibratory frequencies and, and dimensions and, uh, you know, multiverses. So at some point we integrate and reconnect with all these variations of ourselves. But in order to be here now in this oneness experiment, we have to have the uh, separate, false separate sense. But that's the only way we, I mean, if you knew the whole movie, you wouldn't be able to really do much. You'd know it all, right? So we have to come in and stop being know-it-alls so that we um, can co-create with uh, universal consciousness and higher levels of existence. That's well, you asked me. You asked me what I knew about, you know, the wars and stuff. But the Lyrans yeah, uh-huh. were, Lyrans are more of the, uh, the way that I understand were more agriculture, uh, more Shambhala. Uh, they were more in agreement. And then when we came to Mars and we got technology, I mean, you have to be able to travel through space for millions of years in order to be accepted into the diplomacy and speaking, you know, the various languages. So, and use, you know, they have symbols and sound and ESP, and then they go into the numbers and their religions and the cultures that grew in the belief systems, but some of them started clashing over philosophy. But it came down to where we are right now with mankind evolving into space and technology. This is the, uh, what is that wave, uh, Ahmed, where you only reach so far they call it singularity now, right, where we, we go from the 10th to the 16th of the human form to 10th to the 27th, which is really where we are when we add in the uh, uh, telomeres and the uh, tubules. And that's uh, 
not it's plank time, but what, who is that Janet I was telling you about Stuart uh Hammer Hammer off, hammer on, wax on. Yeah, I haven't off. researched that yet. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's going to be tomorrow night. So I think life expectancy and the telomeres and all that with Ira Pastors coming on tomorrow night with the human physical form and the poundage and the DNA and the race and the galaxy. So that will be fun. Y'all are all welcome to come back and discuss this tomorrow, bringing it into human form. Oh, we're form. almost out of time. But Atlantis, wow. now, this when we're where we are now. But we had the, the very peaceful people that were happy with their civilization, and yes, we could do travel, but we could do agriculture. I guess, it's, you know, love, peace, hippie. But the Draconians came along and got possessive of the planets and the star systems. Now, this is the story I heard, and the Draconians are, I guess, like Janet Tom's wharfs because all our people – up there that, you know, are uh, like us, I guess you'd call them Nordic, Andromedans, whatever. They're all about peace, and, you know, they got rid of the uh, genes that make you have emotions, like Spock. CJ, we're running out of time. Okay, well, we can discuss this later. So, you know, we've got a lot to talk about. Diana, is it Diana or Debbie? Debbie. Debbie. I I had twins. Debbie and Diana grew up with Debbie. I apologize. Diane and Debbie were twins. Uh, I guess we're out of time, so we're going over. But uh, if everybody could come back tomorrow night, it'd be great, Janet. Uh, 7 Eastern, 6 Central. Is that what you advertise, Janet? 7 Eastern. Um, uh, your show is 7. Yeah, mine is um, mine's 8 when I do my show. So your show is 7. Oh, okay, so you can you maybe could come on for an hour tomorrow if you want to. But Ira is supposed to help us yes. on the consciousness. Ahmed, are you still here? Or did you leave? Ahmed he left. Left. All right. Well I guess we're off, but Ahmed Painter, y'all came on. Thank you, Ahmed. If you I, I'm here, here, I'm sorry. Oh well, there he is. Okay. <laughs> well Ahmed, if you can come back that? tomorrow and maybe Debbie can. Uh Debbie, I don't know if you can come back and talk tomorrow. And finish oh my more. goodness! Uh, yeah, I, I'll have to check with my schedule. It depends on what time it is. I, I do have some readings booked uh, booked for tomorrow, but um, oh, good for you! Well, yeah, yeah, no, I I am uh, I, I am uh, insanely popular lately. So it's, wow! It's, yeah, it's been um, it's been crazy, but um, great. Uh, yeah, well, most glad to know most you. weeks I'm booked. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, if, if if the timing works, I'd love to come back. But it was very right. nice to, uh, to be on the show today. Thank you so much for having me on and uh, and for, you know, your interest in my story and my input. And uh, uh, I look forward to uh, reconnecting with you again on a future date. Yeah, let's come have you come back and let's talk vague and leering. If you can find out what your all of our people your downloads, folks. All of you feel, where did everything come from in the beginning before we had the Lear and Vegan story? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, there, no, there was, uh, yeah, there was some stories before that. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have time to explain it all, but, um, but no, it is, uh, but it was a very interesting discussion. Thank you for having me on. You're wonderful. Thank you, Debbie, for being able to hold your own among the spirit science metaphysicians, and we look forward to uh, having you back when you can, okay? Okay. Janet? Thank you. uh, Thank you. It's very nice to talk with both of you, TJ and Janet. And a mad painter. Thank you so much. And the mad mad, uh, (laughs) as well, yes. 
Revolution Radio showed up, a mad painter producer for Janet and I. He's a part of our ACO. Thank you. And Debbie, we'll uh, get your website and your link and help promote you in our various groups in spirit science, okay? I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Many blessings, Aloha. Thank you. All right. All right. Aloha. Bye-bye. Great show. You all enjoyed it. Thank you, man. Hopefully you can come back tomorrow if y'all don't have a show to do. All right. Man, you got a show tomorrow, right? (laughs) Sorry. Are we off air? Nope. Are we off air? (laughs) No. I thought we were off air already. No. Um, I might be around. I don't know yet. Too early (laughs) to tell. All right. Seven Eastern. It's an awesome subject, though. I'm interested in it. Yeah, we'll try to get more. We'll see if it can be covered over. I don't know how much our master knows, but his longevity and consciousness, how he takes it into the uh, biological, but he talks a lot of philosophy, bringing in a lot of important people, and he's on television show now. So, Janet, he's using, uh, I think he said Vimeo. So we'll talk about doing it with Ira Pastor and live video shows now. All right. Janet, thank you for bringing Debbie. I really enjoyed her. She's very in-depth. Can you hear me? Did Janet leave? I guess she might have left. I guess she did. All right, well, it's just me and you then. All right, well, I guess I'm mad if you can come tomorrow. <laughs> I, be I might be able to. I don't know. It's a pretty intriguing subject. I'm, I'm uh, you know, if we can keep from killing ourselves, longevity would be pretty cool. Yeah, and he's got some important factors, mm-hmm. but he's bringing a lot of very important, powerful medical doctors on his show and stuff. But he's uh, Ken's back, certainly. You know, Ken, the astronaut dude, you know, from NASA, and he's got 3,000 hours in grumming and training and all that, you know, pilots. So I like Friday to be more technical and stuff, but we can do biological and uh, bringing on the human species. So yeah, I'd like to get. Go ahead. I'd like to do an interview with Ken. I haven't been able to connect with him. <laughs> I'll give him uh, – he's in pain right now, but I'll get him on your show just uh, – uh, I guess tomorrow uh, – anyway, he, he can – you want me to give uh, – I'll send you his phone number, and you can call him. I got him on Skype. I produced a couple of shows, but he hasn't answered me. Oh, uh, well, he gets – he uses Facebook. You know, Skype. Uh, yeah, now, I, now I just connected with him in a group, and I haven't had a chance to. Mars one yet. astronaut, Mars one astronaut at Gmail, and he'll answer you. Spell out one Mars one astronaut, and I'll tell him uh, that you called and you want to have him on your show. Which one? Monday night or Sunday? Yeah, Monday night show. All right. What time is it? Uh, Ten p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure he'll come on it, but just catch. So he's, he's been on Janet. Yeah, yeah, he's been on Janet's show, and I've produced shows for for him with him. You know, with him on, I got him on Skype. And okay, well, Ken's. Uh, he, I just had not, I had jumped out there yet. I've 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 been in a couple of groups with him, and I just hadn't jumped out on it. I really don't like taking care of business on Facebook, you know. Yeah, well, he's helping us with the Allied Command and. He's going to be the representative since Tom died for the ACO or Allied Command out there with uh, teaching and recruiting. So uh, mm-hmm. very important for us now. Well, uh, Matt, if you can, 
to drop in with Ira, I think Ken's not going to make it, but of course, you know, he can, but his, his pain sitting and doing a show right now is he was in a car wreck. So his back hurts, you know? He's yeah. I know. I knew about that. All, All right. right. You, you, you have a good evening. Enjoy it. Well, thank you for coming. I really appreciate you doing that. That was very big of you. And I'm going to try to catch you one Sunday, you know, or have me on one of your Monday shows. You can build me uh, one of your shows. We can do that. Okay. Well, put me on uh, your list. I got a All wide right. open schedule right now. I got one guest coming up, and that's it. All right. Well, just put me on and tell me which night, and I'll come and we'll talk about some of this stuff. Or I'm sure you and I can get carried away enough to have a good, decent show. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want me to, I can come, you know, and bring Ken or bring you somebody else. You just let me know. Just uh, stay All in touch right. with me on Skype, okay? All right. I'm always on. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate I, you. I threw coming. a link in there for you to read. Go go read one of my so, little short stories I wrote. I'd be more I than think happy you might to. enjoy. It's a, it's about yeah. AI. Oh really? Yeah. Well, how cool is that? All right. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. So great. Uh, let's see. Uh, I am on air. Uh, okay. So Iris says he'll come tomorrow. He said, okay, great. So he'll be here. So tomorrow night, oh, call in 347-945-7207. You, you got it, right, Ahmed, if you can. Yes, ma'am. Seven your time, six okay. my time. All right. Okay, you, you, have, you have good evening. All right. You may want to ask Ira, too, if he wants to come on your show one Monday night and talk about longevity or whatever else he talks about I, in biology. I'm I think I might have spoke with him one time before, but I'm not positive. I have to hear him to know. Well, uh, do you want me I don't to keep track. mention? Yes, I've had so many of them. Huh? All right. Well, put Ira Pastor Longevity. He's brilliant with BioCork. Yeah, and... I'm going to go check him out on YouTube tonight. Okay, BioCork. All right, and check out Stuart uh, Hameroff, H-A-M-E-R-O-F-F. And uh, tomorrow night, we're going to discuss Penrose and the Hameroff. Uh, what's the other guy's name? I never can remember. It's the older guy. Their, his, their theory uh, in consciousness. And anyway, it should be a type, good show tomorrow. Type that, one, type that one's name in Skype for me. And, uh, I shall do that. I'll, I'll I'll do that. All, All right. You have a good evening. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. We appreciate it. See you.